0: those of you that haven't met me before. My name's Nick, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, what? Chris Kimmins. Have I morphed into Chris Kimmins? (gasps) Chris is looking good today, right? Yeah. So anyway, it's good to see you. Welcome, welcome. Um, And we are in the middle of kind of some one-off talks at the moment. Sometimes we do little series of talks, sometimes we do just one-offs, and we're in some one-offs at the moment. So what I would love you to do is just humor me for a moment before we really get into this. And I want you to imagine that I have invented three magic pills. I've got three magic pills, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to see whether you would like them this morning. Okay, so the first pill that I have available to you... Some of you are looking more excited about the pills than others. are like, ooh. So, first pill I have for you is called the Happier You Pill. Okay, and I'm going to tell you the, what happens when you take this pill, and you can hold it in reserve to decide if you're going to take it. The Happier You Pill gives you more positive emotions and thoughts. It makes you more aware and awake... It gives you increased satisfaction levels, and it makes your mood better. Okay, That's my first pill I have on offer to you. Okay, How are you feeling about that one? Feels good? Okay, but what I love is that you're like, I'm not willing to put my money behind that one until I know what the others are. Okay, so the second pill that is available to you is called the Fitter You pill. Some of you have already like, no thanks, I'm fine. (laughs) So the Fitter You pill gives you a better immune system, It gives you less body aches and pains. It makes your blood pressure be optimal. Good cardiac functioning. And you get better sleep. Okay, so that's your Fitter You pill. How are you feeling about that one? You like that one? Okay, ooh, some people are like, I've laid down pill number one. I'm going to pill number two. Now, finally, pill number three for you is the Better You pill. Now, this pill is you get better communication. You develop more empathy. Your relationships are better if you take this pill. Also, people like you better when you're in a group if you take this pill. And you have more involvement in a team. So that's your other one. How are you feeling about that one? Feeling pretty good? People are like, yeah. What's was great. People are like, yeah, no, I think I just want better sleep. That was like, <laughs> the whole. you can be a better communicator, you can have more empathy. Yeah, no, I don't know. Okay, so who here is going for pill number one? That was your happier you, your better emotions, you've got better mood, you feel more satisfied. Any takers on pill number one? Okay, good. Pill number two is the fitter you, immune system, aches, pains, better sleep. Okay, good. And pill number three was the better you, communication, empathy, more likability. Okay, good. So... What if I told you one day only I can do you a special price, you can get all three pills? All three? All three. Now, this is a special deal, but there is a catch, obviously. And that is, if I tell you when you take these pills, you then have to sit still for 15 minutes after you've taken them in order for them to take effect. That is the only catch. The only catch. So if that is the deal, you can have all three pills, but you do have to take them every day, and you have to make sure that you sit still afterwards for 15 minutes. Who wants the pills now? Okay, good. Good. I've still got some takers. What, what I love is that so many of you are like, "I don't want to put my hand up because I feel like she's going somewhere and this isn't going to end well." So, so now what I'm going to tell you is that scientifically. These pills already exist. The benefit from these things exist and do you know how you get them? All of those effects scientifically proven is just by practicing gratitude every day. That's it. That's why I said you have to sit down for 15 minutes. Like, you might not have to sit down, but it does take you to do something. The science has proven this. Forget the Bible for a minute. I mean, that's not a good rule of life, but forget the Bible, like, just for a minute and just go with the science. The science says if you practice gratitude every day, you will get better sleep you'll be less anxious, you'll be a better communicator, you'll be more likeable in groups. All of those things are available to you when you practice gratitude. I find that pretty interesting. You know, I, I sometimes try and do a little workout. It doesn't go that great. I don't lift many weights. <laughs> Chris is laughing because in the diary, twice a week, it says workout. And that is about as far as it goes. It's written in there, like twice it's written in. And then sometimes Chris will be like, oh, you're up this morning. Oh, I see you've got work out in the day. I'm like, no, no, I don't mind. We can do something else. That's fine. I'm totally available. So we have to practice it. There's a guy called Robert Emmons, and he is like the absolute front of the field in this study of gratitude. He's done all the science. He has found some incredible things. Here's a couple of them. Writing gratitude letters brings hope and evokes positivity in suicidal patients or people fighting terminal disease. That's big, right? That's big. Daily journaling and gratitude jars can help individuals fighting depression, anxiety and burnout. How about practicing gratitude just by writing down something you're grateful every day has been scientifically proven to help people with insomnia, substance abuse and eating disorders? Like This is big stuff. And my fear in doing this talk today and telling you about how important gratitude is, is that everyone will leave and go, oh, that was nice. That was a nice talk. And then no one will actually practice gratitude. And then we'll all still have rubbish sleep, be really moody, not be good at interacting with people. And be like, why is that? I just don't understand why my life doesn't feel more alive and thriving. Maybe the tools are right there for us. They're right there. And what I love the best is I love science. I find it really baffling when people say, Oh, you can't really do science in Jesus I'm like, really? Like who who told you that? Science is entirely compatible with Jesus. Because what I love is that for things like this, science has invested millions of pounds into studies, the best brains in the world, to do the experiments, to find out what the Bible said hundreds of years previously. (laughs) So they're totally compatible, and I love that. And Brene Brown is an academic, she's a researcher, she's a speaker, she's an author. She has committed her life's work to studying this kind of stuff. And she doesn't beat around the bush with what she says. Of the thousands of pieces of data, she looked at the people who were thriving in life, the people who were living most wholeheartedly. And do you know what she found? They were all practicing gratitude. And they were practicing vulnerability. There were two things. Vulnerability and gratitude seemed to be the things that these people had in common. And in fact, she says this. The quote from her is, there is no joy Without gratitude, and she's got the data to prove it. There is no joy without gratitude. That's pretty challenging, right? And I have to give you a small disclaimer as I come into uh, talking to you about this today. Uh, at the beginning of the week, I said to God, "Oh, I just you know, I always really want to practice what I preach. You know, I don't want to get up and just do the thing and then be living a hollow life in the background that doesn't do the stuff, right?" So I said to God, I just really want you to expose in me where I'm not very grateful. (laughs) Never pray that prayer, (laughs) never. Chris will testify, I have been miserable most of the week. I've been grumpy, I've been short with people, I've been jealous of people, I felt envious, I felt like I don't have enough, I've been like not fun to be with this week. (laughs) And then, as I was, no, there we go. It was a little bit later than I would have liked. It took you a little bit longer than I hoped. But you know what? Sometimes we need to ask God to expose this stuff. Because if you'd have asked me, are you a grateful person? I would have said, yes, I'm really grateful. I've got so much to be grateful for. Am I living grateful? Is my heart grateful? It turns out it's not as grateful as perhaps it could be. Not should be, but could be. And actually what's happened this week is that as I've started to let this stuff bubble up, I've realized that there's quite a lot of stuff in me. If you want to do like a little test on yourself of how grateful you are, wait until one of your digital devices doesn't work properly. (laughs) Feeling grateful for the fact you have the world at your fingertips? We've got an, um, an alarm clock that plays a song in the morning and basically we turn it off with our voice. So I'm not going to say it because everyone who's an Apple user, all your devices are not going to come to life. But we say snooze mostly. We don't say stop. Well, This week, like it is some work of heaven, every time I've shouted out snooze, the voice comes back, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> oh, oh, all week, to the point where I'm like, snooze! And then it's like, I'm sorry, I can't do that right now. And I'm like, oh! And then I realised... There's an actual robot waking me up in the morning with the song that I've chosen at the exact minute I'd like it to wake me up. That's pretty good, right? But suddenly I wasn't grateful for the fact that it had done what I'd asked it to do because one day it wasn't working. And this is what happens. If we actually allow ourselves to explore our hearts, we suddenly realise that perhaps we're not so grateful when things that actually are incredible are working quite right, then suddenly the world feels like it is against us. Now... If you don't want to just take the science, and you, please don't come and ask me for the pills afterwards, that will start rumours. Um, but if you don't want to just take the science, then let's look at the Bible and see what it says about gratitude because it has a lot to say. And the first thing we're going to look at, if you've got a Bible, if not, it will come up on the screen. Look at it on whatever device you want to. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. And it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, what I find fascinating about this is how clear the writer makes this. It's not like, you should give thanks, the end. Words like, always, continually, in all circumstances. And what that tells us is that it is possible to be thankful and for our circumstances to be terrible at the same time. Because if not, it would say, give thanks when things are going well. But it doesn't. It says, give thanks in all circumstances. I love the Passion Translation of this, which says, Let joy be your continual feast. Make yours a life of prayer, and in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you. Now, our understanding here as a family at Asher Vineyard is that God is good. God is a good father. So if He has a perfect plan for you, it's a good plan. And sometimes I think we lose sight of that. God's plan for my life, well, you know, what if He asks me to do things that are really hard or really difficult? God is a good dad. If I'm planning for our girls, I'm not going to plan horrible things in their future just to test how they feel about me or to test their resilience. I'm not going to just not feed them one day just to see how they shape up. Like That's just not who I am as a parent. But sometimes we have this bizarre view of God that he's almost testing us in some way. But God's a good father. That's what we believe. I absolutely have seen it to be true in my life. And we totally believe that God is a good father. So if he has a good plan for you, and it's possible for you to run into that whilst also being thankful in all circumstances, then I think we've got good reason to trust him in that. One of my most favorite bits in the Bible is in a book of Philippians where Paul is writing writing to the church in Philippi. And it's Philippians 4, and it says this. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let your joy overflow and let gentleness be seen in every relationship, for our Lord is near. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and and mind through Jesus Christ. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. There is so much beauty in that. How much do we fix our eyes on lack? Do we fix our eyes on fear? Do we fix our eyes on comparison with what our neighbors have got? Do we fix our eyes on the things that we wish we had but we don't? And instead, he's saying, if you want the peace, here's the clue that transcends human understanding, then fix your eyes on these other things. It's like a call out of the world we live in and say, hey, take your, take your face off of that stuff and fix it over here on this stuff instead. It's like Paul has given us the keys to thriving in life. And if we want to see what happens when the opposite is going on, we only need to go to 2 Timothy 3. Now, as you read this, tell me if this sounds familiar to you. 2 Timothy 3 says this, but mark this, but denying its power. I don't know if that seems familiar to you. It's like the writer here has basically just described the world we live in now. I'm not getting into end times theology right now, but what I am saying is I look around me all day long and see people who are lovers of money, lovers of pleasure over lovers of God, and th- and. And this isn't going well. And yet, we are called with the keys to how we overcome this. It's totally countercultural. Cultivating gratitude, waking up with a heart full of gratitude, is completely countercultural. The world says you need more. It's not enough. You need better, you need bigger, you need stronger, you need faster, you need more expensive. But here, we're hearing that the keys which is backed up by the science, to finding a life of thriving is actually found in being able to say, I am grateful for what I have right now. And if this is all I ever have, that is enough for me. Now, I'm going to use a little analogy that I totally stole. So I'm going to tell you who I stole it from. It's a guy called Jay Pathak, who is a vineyard pastor. Um, And I think in pictures. And so he gave this analogy about gratitude. And I thought, that's good. I'm just going to steal that. So... Basically, if you want a seed, if any of you are gardeners, I do realise the last time I mentioned gardening, I misnamed a plant and had emails. So (laughs) I'm going in again. I'm feeling brave and I'm going to talk about gardening. But if you have a seed, it can be the seed that holds in it the most incredible plant. But if you plant it in soil, which isn't right, that plant will never come to its full potential. And in fact, it might even just die before it even starts to sprout. So the problem isn't in the seed. The problem is in the soil. Now, if we think for a moment about thriving, for me, it's like living a life manifesting God's goodness. That's thriving. Where we're seeing people healed when we lay hands on them. When we're seeing anxiety broken off people, depression broken off people. We're seeing people. Uh, addictions being broken. We're seeing people with joy rather than fear. Like that, for me, is the potential of what we have available to us if we live a life underpinned by God's goodness and knowing who we are as sons and daughters. That's the plant. the problem is, if you plant that in the wrong soil, it's just never going to grow. And if our hearts are full of bitterness and envy and comparison and a lack of gratitude... I honestly don't think we will ever see the outworking of God's goodness in our lives. I just don't think we're going to see it. And then we'll go, I just don't understand why that person sees so much of God's goodness. Oh, And we'll be really annoyed. And you'll know this about yourself, because if someone you know suddenly gets blessed massively, either financially or physically and all the rest, and if your first reaction is, well, why does that never happen to me? I would suggest the soil is not great in your heart, (laughs) and I would suggest that maybe you will never see that kind of blessing really come to life, because actually the problem is not the seed, it's the soil, it's your heart that isn't right. But if we can cultivate a soil in our hearts which is grateful every day, irrespective of what's coming next, even in the middle of pain, then I think that it's like we unleash the whole of heaven and then strap in and sit back and watch what God does because he loves to work with thankful hearts. So here's some questions for you. What if our hearts were full of gratitude And then everything grew from there. What if we actually learned the gift of being thankful in all circumstances? When you meet people that can do this, they are incredible people. This is hard. If you've ever met someone who is going through an extremely painful, traumatic experience, and you can see they're still grateful... Those people are incredible to be around, and we all get to have this experience, but we have to learn it. Here's one that has transformed my life for sure. What if we stopped asking why questions? Why me? Or why not me? Or why this? And instead, we ask the question of what does this make available? That was something I heard from a, a Speaker Alan Scott years ago, and honestly, it's totally changed things for me, because as soon as I go into a little bit of a self-pity zone of why, why me, and then I switch it to, hang on, what does this make available? And sometimes all it makes available is an opportunity for me to sit in my father's lap and weep at the pain that I feel but it means I connect with him intimately and vulnerably in a way that is different to the way I connect with him when life is going well. That's what it makes available sometimes. It's not about being thankful in all circumstances. It's not about sticking your fingers in your ears and denying the pain. That's terrible. Don't do that. Don't do that. Like, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, but actually I'm in terrible pain and I'm feeling loads of grief. Like, it's not like an override button, But there's something about being able to find gratitude in the middle of the mess, which is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So how do we tend to the soil? How do we actually work on gratitude? Well, if you can't think, if things are really bad and you can't think of anything to be grateful for, I would suggest you start with the breath in your body. That's a great place to start. There's a guy who was imprisoned, I haven't got time to tell you the whole story, but a guy, Andrew Stewart, you can look him up, um, who was imprisoned wrongfully for 36 years for murder. He, he had 36 years stolen from his life. And uh, this guy, Jay Pathak, was talking to him about, but when you got out, weren't you angry? Weren't you furious at those people that wrongfully put you in there? Because it turns out the people that put him away knew it probably wasn't him. There was evidence that was withheld. I said, aren't you furious? And this guy turned around to Jay and he said, you do know that breath isn't guaranteed in your body tomorrow, right? And Jay Pathak at that point said, I had a lot of other questions and I didn't ask any of them. <laughs> that man knew what it was to be grateful that he was alive and everything flowed from that. What a great place to start. If you don't know where else to start, be grateful you've got breath in your body. In the Talk Plus video we do after these talks that go online, I'm going to talk about some specific things that you can do, some tools in your hand. But I'd suggest gratitude journals are a great place to start. And you might say, I'm not really a journal kind of person. I'm like, okay, don't take the pill. Like, genuinely, it's up to you. Like, I can give you some tools and things, but it's up to you if you want to cultivate gratitude. No one's going to make you. Maybe start your prayers from a place of thankfulness. Sometimes I find it really hard to pray. In fact, a lot of the time, I find prayer quite difficult, which is, you know, tricky as an occupational hazard. I find it, like, tricky to pray. But if I'm ever finding it hard to connect with God and then I just start to list the things I'm thankful for, before I know it, I'm in a place with connection with God. And actually, it's just easier just to start with thankfulness. What about worship? Actually creating space to worship with songs of thanks every day. What about reframing those why questions? Or praying that dangerous prayer. God, help me be more grateful. Good luck. (laughs) It's really interesting what might happen next. Help me be more grateful. Okay, let's let's see what starts to bubble up in your hearts. And if nothing else, that stuff in Philippians 4 that I read, even if you just meditate on that, Spend some time in your hardest moments thinking, what is authentic? What is real? What is beautiful? What is honorable? And go through that list. Now, you're all gonna have an opportunity to practice thankfulness. And the reason I say practice is because it is a bit like a muscle. If you don't work a muscle out, then it atrophies, right? And you can't just say, well, I worked it out three years ago, and I can't believe it's not strong now. It's like, well, that's not really how it works gratitude is like a muscle you have to keep working out. And so we want to keep looking for opportunities. And as Asher Vineyard, we're going to give you an opportunity in a couple of weeks' time to practice this. And for the first time as a family, as a church family, we're going to be marking Thanksgiving. So we're going to be marking the festival of Thanksgiving. (laughs) What I love is that a British congregation, some people are like, well, that's American. I'm like... (laughs) You might need to get over that. So, um, yes, it is American, but it's a great opportunity to be thankful, so we're going to do that. So um, the amazing Josh and Kat, who oversee our gathering arm, have developed some resources that you're going to get next Sunday... For the day of Thanksgiving, which is Thursday, the 25th of November, if you have five minutes, there's an option, if you have 30 minutes, and if you have more time. These are things you can all do in your own time, and it's about practicing and exercising these muscles of gratitude. So look out for that, and I would encourage you all to engage in that. We celebrated Thanksgiving for the last, um, last year, for the first time as a family. We were in lockdown, it was just the four of us, um, and it was beautiful. We had a big meal around the table and um, we come here every Christmas day. So as a family, Christmas day for us is here at the warehouse with like 100 people and it's beautiful chaos. But we don't ever on Christmas day sit around a table as a family and do the... The turkey with the trimmings. And so we did that on Thanksgiving. We went and watched the sunrise with a McDonald's breakfast. Oh yeah, what a way to start Thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus, for McDonald's. I'm just taking that moment. So we went to watch the sunrise with a McDonald's and then we the girls went off to school. We cooked a big meal and we sat and we wrote in a book what we were thankful for. And then each year our plan is to get that book out and review it and look at what happened. And this year we've got all the grandparents coming to join us as well. So I would encourage you. Josh and Kat are going to give you some resources for you to get engaged in this as well. But what I would say as I finish is just do something. Do something. If I had those pills that I talked about available and then basically they just sit in your medicine cupboard and you never take them, then that's okay. It's, it's up to you. You get to choose. But I would suggest that if you know the tools and you know what to do to start receiving the benefits of that, why not start cultivating gratitude knowing that it's only going to do you good and it's going to connect you with the one who is better than you could ever think, ask, or imagine? So let's stand and we're going to pray together. That was me saying, that wasn't me tutting at cat. That was me saying, we were going to sing again, but I'm like, we haven't got time. So that's fine. Um, We want to make sure we've got space before we do the two-minute silence. Father, I thank you for the breath in my body today. I thank you for the opportunity we have in this country to come together and speak freely about Jesus without fear of persecution. I thank you that we are in a warehouse where we get to gather and be family together and do life, the ups, the downs, the everything in between. And I thank you that you are a good father, that we can always trust you. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that there is never a day where you are not for us and fighting for us and running after us and coming after us for a relationship with you. We thank you that we get to be in community with you and with other people. And today, for those that want to join me, we pray the brave prayer of saying, Father, help us to live a more grateful life. Show us where the soil isn't so great. Expose that in us. And then in only the way you can, as a gentle and loving father, show us another way. Help us to spot where entitlement is creeping in and envy and bitterness and comparison and instead remind us who you say we are and who you are. And just as we stand in this moment now, I'd encourage you just to close your eyes if you haven't got them closed already. And I'm going to ask if I feel like it's a good day today. If you are here and you don't have a relationship with God yet or you've been asking questions and you've been wondering and you think do you know what I feel like maybe I am a son or a daughter and I feel like God is inviting me to know him then just while people have got their eyes closed I would encourage you right now just to put your hand up nothing crazy is going to happen But what we'll do is we would love a chance to to chat with you and pray with you afterwards. So we're just going to take a moment. If you're at home, please do feel free to get in touch in the comments and someone would get in touch with you or click on the live prayer button on Church Online and we would love to do that. But if there's anyone here today that doesn't yet know him that says, yeah, I want to know him, I want to step into relationship with him today, I'd encourage you where you are now just to raise your hand. Okay. Amazing. That's awesome. We've had two people today that have said that they want to be in relationship with Jesus. That's pretty exciting. Thank you, Father. So good. Father, thank you for all that you've got for us, the adventures you've got for us to go on, even this afternoon. We ask that you would be so tangibly near us that we get to live bolder, wilder lives from this day forward, from a place of gratitude. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.